I have a niece and nephew that are, that are twins that graduated high school on Friday night. And um, I was thinking last week about them graduating and um, Jennifer and I kind of have this like rule, we don't, we don't go to high school graduations to celebrate, we go to college graduations to celebrate, and she was just there last week to celebrate one of ours, and uh, her, her nephew, and so I was just thinking like, what, what, can I, what can I do, what word of encouragement, what piece of wisdom can I, can I either write them or send them, text them, call them, How, what, what can I tell them? And, and for my, my niece and nephew, I have some concerns, um, just about the, the, their future isn't real clear. And the, the path in which they probably need to take, um, as I kind of like look at their life and I kind of think like how I would, what I would orchestrate and do with their life. I mean, sometimes I feel like being a student pastor for, for 10 years, like if I could just like lay out the next five steps for a student and they just did them, their life would be better off. And so uh, it's pretty arrogant, isn't it? Um, it is. It is super arrogant, but it's, it's probably also pretty simple, super simple, and probably also super true. Um, and so I was like thinking about their life, and like, this, this is the next steps they need to take. This is what, this is what you need to do. This, is, this needs to be your next step. Um, this is going to make your life better. And as I kind of thought through that advice that I would give my niece and, and nephew, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Just like pricked my heart. It was just like, wait a second. You're aware of their spiritual condition. You're, you're aware of, of, of their lives. And that's the advice you have to give them? Mm. You're right. You're right. So I began to think about it. I was like, no, really, the, the, the best life, the thing, that, the thing that I would love for them to see is, is simply this, that life in Christ is the best life. And it doesn't matter your next uh, steps or your plans for college or your plans for a career or whatever else. You can do all those things just right. And if you don't have Christ, it's not worth living. You are dead in the trespasses of your sins. This is, this is what I, I, would, I would tell you. As we kind of walk into this, if we think through like, hey, what's advice for not just a graduating senior, but what's advice for your life? And, and this is what I would just tell you. Here's our big truth of the day. This is what I believe as we take apart this text. We can draw out of this text. I really believe that we can see this in all of the book of Romans. Um, and it's this. This is it. The big truth is the, the new way of life in Christ is the best life. Uh, that, AJ, I believe that is last week's sermon notes right there. Okay. All right. I was like, all right. I remember that. I said that, but that wasn't, that wasn't out here. All right. Yeah, the new way of life in Christ is the best life. I think, I think as an 18-year-old uh, walking across that stage uh, of high school, um, I, I, celebrated, I celebrated graduation for like a minute. And then I was ready to move on to the next thing. I was so done with high school, and I was so driven and, and I was driven to the wrong things. I was driven to money. That's what I really cared about was making money. And I wanted to make lots of it. Um, and so, so I, didn't, I didn't celebrate. I, I, started, I believed these lies of the world. I, I believed these lies that said, hey, these other things are better. 
that, that what you want is your version of the American dream, right? The, the American dream, a, a, a house sitting on a, a certain size house sitting on a certain uh, size property with a certain number of vehicles and pleasure uh, vehicles and uh, everybody's kind of looks, looks differently, but a certain number of kids, a certain number of, of pets, whatever it is, we've got this like dream that we think this thing is better. This is, this is the, the best life. This is, this is what we want, and what I, would, what I would just say again and again and again is that for us, this new life in Christ is the best life. I, I, would, I would point our minds real quick back to Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. This is kind of like really the, the central thrust that we've, we've been uh, working with in this sermon series, and is that we were buried with therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So, moving on to verse 15. As it's kind of been a, the, uh, the, the custom for us to do uh, we've read the passage from the previous week as well, so taking our context into this week. So, verse 15, what then? Or it is sin because we are not under law, but by under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness Leading to sanctification. Four. Now this is our text for today. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and at its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's there. Start taking this apart. Uh, kind of section by section. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Here's the big idea that I want us to pull out of this, and that's the fruit of sin is death. That's what I want you to remember. The fruit of sin is death. Last week, we really kind of covered what it meant to be a slave of sin and a slave of Christ. Remember last week we said, you're, either, you're one or the other. You're either a slave to sin... Or you're a slave to Christ. And we, we highlighted that, that one leads to death and destruction and one leads to life and life abundantly. 
One, one leads to um, uh, destruction. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the other one leads to this, this benevolent king who loves his people and does what is good and is right for them, not only for his glory, but also for their good. When you were a slave to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You weren't bound to righteousness. God hadn't worked in anything in your heart. Nothing was working out of your heart. Your, your, your bondage was to that of sin. It was not to uh, of Christ. Your, your allegiance to that of sin, not to righteousness. And so um, where we sin, we saw that sin leads to more sin. Lawless, lead, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness is, is what we would, would deal with, what we'd have to deal with. So he says, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I tried to paint a picture multiple times in this sermon series that sin... Leads to death. That, that, that truly that is the result of sin. And every picture is not painted the same. Every, every, every story told doesn't have the same ending. I want you to understand. There are people who live to be uh, 100 years old. And who lived morally uh, good lives by the outside world. But were broken in their sin. Clinging to idols. Worshipping false gods. And die and go to hell. But there's also this truth in which we do see sin lead to a much faster path of death and destruction. Growing up, you ever heard me talk about David Grigsby? You'll know that he was both my taxidermist and my chiropractor. It's, it's the country, right? David Grigsby... Uh, was a man that I just loved and, and adored. He was, he was a neighbor. He ended up moving a little farther away, maybe like 10 minutes down the road. Um, but David Grigsby had a son, David Grigsby Jr. And Jr. was a sure enough mess. I remember one time, he was, he was a good bit older than me. One time, I remember one time he got on the school bus and he had this cut on his hand. And when I asked him, and it, it was, it had, um, stitches in it and a piece of tape on it. And I asked him how he got the cut and he was probably like 15 at the time. He, he was drinking a bottle of, of, of whiskey and got mad and threw it and he was at Spring Branch at the boat ramp. I don't know why he was there, why he was drinking. He was, should have been doing his homework. Cut himself and he went home and he told his dad and his dad took him out in the taxidermy shop and sewed it up himself, right? That's the kind of story that you would hear over and over and over about David Grigsby Jr. I mean, he, he just, he, he, this was, we would have conversations. And, you know, my parents, like, banned me from being anywhere near him. They didn't even have to, though. I mean, it's like, the, the reality was his life was like, a, it was a train on the rails headed for a, a destruction, it was, his life was literally a train wreck. And so I, I just remember seeing the way in which he lived life. His dad was a devout Catholic. 
His dad was a devout Catholic deacon. He was very religious. And David would say, I don't believe in any of that. I don't believe in any religion. I don't believe in any God. There's, there, there's, we can do whatever we want. We ought to be, ah, you know, the heck with it. I mean, that's just, that was just his mindset. He was constantly being kicked off the bus. He was constantly being kicked out of school. He, he very much, his life just, just was a wreck. And so the more you saw him, the older he got. By the time, he, he never graduated high school, by the way. By the time he's driving... It's not just alcohol, it's drugs, it's not just, it's, it's, it's not just, just drugs, it's stealing, it's not just stealing, it's, it's all sort of, sorts of fornication and adultery. I mean, it, it's just everything you could imagine that really the world kind of sells and says this is awesome and good, it's the kind of things that he was after. Late one night. He decides to drag, drag race somebody. He'd been drinking. He takes off down this stretch of highway. He swerves off to one side of the road, overcorrects, runs off the other side of the road, down in the ditch, and he hits three trees. He's trapped in the car. His, it's an it old, like, 60s or 70s model pickup truck. He's trapped in it. It catches on fire, and he burns to death. Now, if you've ever heard... My story about falling asleep at the wheel and, and the Lord moving and working in my heart and sparing my life, those same three trees that I hit were the same three trees that killed him. His life was, was hell-bent on death because he was given over to sin. Most of us, we look at that and we think, oh, that's never going to be me because my sins are smaller and incremental well, we've been trying to show you, this is, this, this is the path of, of destruction. I want you to think of Ephesians chapter 2. I've quoted this several times. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Meaning, thinking, as I'm born, I'm born into this nature that is a child of wrath. I have this in me. I have this ability in me. I have the ability, this is the, the fruit of sin, that the thing that my heart and my sinful desires, the fruit that it is going to bear, though it may look different, it may not look nearly as wild or rowdy, what it is going to do, the fruit that it is going to bear is going to be death. I think of Jesus, his words in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, or ravenous wolves, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruits. You will re be recognized by your fruits, and the fruit of sin is death. You're either on a path that's leading 
to death and destruction or you're on a path that's leading to life. Listen to this, verse 22. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Here's the big idea. The fruit of the gospel is life. The fruit of sin is death. The fruit of the gospel is life. And this is the gospel. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That God being rich in mercy, abounding in steadfast love, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He took our place, the penalty we deserved, the sins that we had committed that lead to death. He took them for us on the cross. He took our punishment. He was crucified on our behalf. He was put in the grave and he was raised on the third day. In this sermon series on Easter when we started it, here is the first big truth that I said. It's that when we meet the risen Lord Jesus, it transforms us to live a new way of life. And the very first big truth is still true in this. We still see it in this text. The fruit of the gospel is life. Here's the truth. When you were dead in your sin, your, you, as a, you as a tree, your roots were, are, are, are sick, right? The, 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 they're unhealthy, diseased. And the fruit that you bore was disease that led to death. But this is a different root now in Christ, so therefore you have a different fruit. What God works in your heart works out. When we meet the risen Lord Jesus, it transforms us to live a new way of life. I read, I read a little bit of Ephesians 2, but, but I, I stopped right before the good news. And this is the good news. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised, uh, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The fruit of the gospel is life, and it's new life in Christ. And we've seen this, this whole paradigm in this text of, of, of bondage and freedom, slavery and freedom. Formerly in bondage, now in Christ we are we're, we're free, we're walking in freedom. Formerly slaves of sin, now servants of God. Formerly clinging to the world, now clinging to Christ. Formerly shame. Now we live with a peace of mind. Formerly death, but now life. And life everlasting. As we think about the fruit of the gospel in our lives, our lives ought to look different. When we talk about this sermon series, A New Way of Life, 
I, I hope that we walk away going, no, our lives should look different than the world. Our, our, our lives should look like Christ's life. We shouldn't live our, our lives just according to the law, obviously not living in lawlessness, right? Should we continue to sin so that grace would abound by, by no means? But living our life by the commands of Christ. How we love our neighbor as ourselves, How we consider others more significant than ourselves. How we walk in humility how we treat others, how we treat our wife, our husband, our, our kids, our, our brother, our sister. How we treat our neighbor. How we treat the opposite sex. How we treat our co-workers. How we treat our enemies, those who, who hate us. Christ says we ought to love them. That's the new way of life, that we would, we would love the one who persecutes us. We would love the one who hates us. That, that we, would, we would care about human flourishing, that we would care about others and, and God doing good in others, that we wouldn't just shrug our shoulders and look at the world and say, not our problem. We would look at our community and, and care about Christ's name being known in our communities. That we would, we would hear his, not just his commandments, but also his commission. And that we would be a people who live to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Who live to proclaim the gospel. To say what is right, and what is true, and is good. To always tell the truth, but always to tell the truth in love. To preach the death, burial, and resurrection. To, to claim but to know Christ and Him crucified. To let our wisdom be held up in the, the power of God, not in the power of the things of the world. The new life shouldn't be that of love of money, love of things, love of accumulation of wealth, love of, of hobby. It shouldn't be those things of idolatry, but rather should be loved, uh, about love and loving Christ in his kingdom, we've seen in this text that, that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. That we, that's from Hebrews, but we've applied it to this text to see his kingdom ethic. That this would be our kingdom. This would be our kingdom. This would be the way in which we think. We would see the world through God's kingdom coming. We, we would pray the Lord's prayer. God's kingdom come. Uh, the Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would live a transformed life and that we would believe that this life is better than a life of slavery to sin. So often, the thing for the Christian is that we fall prey to believing the lie that sin is better. We believe the lie that sin is better. We look at the sexual ethics of the world, the sexual brokenness of the world. And in our, in our dark hearts, we go, we want that. But as Christians walking a new way of life, we ought to go, no. We ought, to, we ought to desire the things of the Lord. We see the way that the, the, the world accumulates wealth. The world um, treats others in order to get that wealth. We ought to look at that and go, no, the love of money is the root of all evil. This is pride and, and, and idolatry that we need to see. This is a kingdom resource. 
And we need to think about the things that we have as New Testament Christians that say what's mine is God's and I'm going to use it for his kingdom, for his purposes. Every piece of clothing I have, every, every, every piece of property I own, everything I have, that, that this new way of life, it, it's, it's not used now for my glory, it's used for God's glory. This is the, the fruit of the gospel, is a transformation of your life and how you live it. This sermon series is very much shown us that how we live on this earth changes when we encounter Christ. There's better news than just that. For the wages of sin is death, verse 23 says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's the the last big idea of this series, that those who have a new way of life in Christ, will spend eternity with Him. And this is good news, my friend. It is your best life now. Mock Joe Olstein's book, Your Best Life Now, and we go, you know what? We're not, we're not living for our best life now. We're living for our best life later. But, but what God has for you here, whatever path He has for you here, it is, if it's persecution, if it's shame, if it's ridicule, trust me, it's your best life. It's in Christ. But it is most certainly as Christians that we are looking to the best life later to know that everything that is wrong and broken in this world will be made right in heaven. And that those who place their faith and trust in Him will not be like the, the fruit that's cut off, the limb that's cut off and is thrown into the fire. No, it is fruit that will bear in eternity with Christ. That in Christ, every, every tear from every eye will be wiped. Everything will be made new. In, in this life, we are sanctified. We're made more like Christ. But in the next life, we're glorified. The pain that is in our, our bodies, the sin that is in our heart, uh, the, the torment in which we feel, the shame, the grief, it will all be gone in heaven with Christ. I think of Jesus' words, but in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. The good news of the gospel is this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He's crucified us, he's buried, he was raised on the third day, and all those who believe in him will be transformed. Their lives will be made new here, they will walk in a newness of life here, but they will get eternal life. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, would not die would not go to hell. We know that's where death, that's what happens at death is hell, but we would have eternal life with Christ Jesus our Lord. That we would get to spend eternity in Christ. Heaven is going to be amazing. We see in Scripture as it's, it's things of heaven are talked about, and it will pale in comparison to the things uh, the, the things of this earth will pale in comparison to the things of heaven. We will spend eternity with him. It's not just a new life here. It's a new life there. 
I want to walk back through the big truths of this sermon series. When we meet the risen Lord Jesus, it transforms us to live a new way of life. Walking in a new way of life is impossible without a deep understanding of the old way of life. In order to walk in a new way of life, we must repent of the old way of life. When Christ died on the cross, he paid for our sins and he united us to him, giving us a new life. And those who have a new life in Christ will live for him and not for sin. Christians have a new way of life because we have been freed from sin and Christ is now our master. And then there's today. The new way of life in Christ is the best way of life. Friends, one thing we've seen over and over and over throughout this text is that when you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you live obedient into this new way of life. You live obedient to the commands of Christ, this, this new way of life. We see in the very first part of these texts what these steps of obedience ought to look like. One, when, when you place your faith and trust in Christ, when you believe in Christ, and today, if you've never done that, I invite you to do it. Today, if you've never repented of your sins, turned from your sins, and placed your life, your faith in Christ, I invite you to do it. The second thing is, the second, the second part of this, the, the, really it's the, the first step in a new way of life is baptism. Verse 4, it mentions that this is that we're buried into Jesus' death and raised to walk in the newness of life. I believe that in these, these seven uh, weeks that we've, we've gone through this, that there have been people who've placed their faith and trust in Christ. And if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, you need to be obedient in baptism. You need to follow in baptism. It is a... It is a symbolic expression of what God has done in our heart. It's showing the world that what God has worked in our heart is working out. That our fruit is no longer poisoned by our root, but we've changed our root. We've got different fruit. It's, it's showing that Christ has worked in us. That's it. That's, that's that step. And then the next step is living out this life. That this, is, this is sanctification. This is a daily walking of obedience. A daily putting to death what is earthly in you. To be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And to following Christ. To follow the commands of Christ. And to follow the commission of Christ. Today, if you've never uh, been baptized... I, I just would invite you to talk to myself or our, our buddy indicated on the card... Uh, we'll, we'll talk, buddy, I'll talk about that card at the end. Indicate that. Let's meet. Let's talk. Let's hear your testimony. Let's come before the church to join the church. And then as a church, let's be a church that's known. These people are different. I remember what they were like. But they've got a new way of life. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of the book of Romans. We think of Romans chapter 6 and the challenge that it is to, to us that, that we should not live in sin so that grace may abound, that we would be people who look at sin and we would go by no means. And that we would desire holiness, that we would desire a new way of life, a changed way of life, a better way of life, that we wouldn't look to... Um, the, the things of the world and the sins of the world and think, hey, I want that thing. That thing is better. But we would see that that thing leads to death 
And Christ leads to life, and we'd want life in it abundantly, and it eternal. That we would long for you and the things of you. God, we ask that you would move and work in our hearts for your glory and for our good by the power of the Spirit working in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing a song of response.